human being. I'm a human woman. I write mm. about human things. And um, it just so happens that I have been afforded a life where I can write deeply about uh, gender and race and colorism and sex. And, and those things move me because of the things that I know a lot about. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, hey, Dan to the Moyle. Show. I'm Dan, and I'm so glad that you are here because I know that because you're here, you believe, as I do, in the power of story, whether it's personal connections or it's business, whether it's, whether it's entertainment, which is what we're in right now, or it's just plain connecting. Story is powerful, and it's what separates us from all other life on earth. At least that's what I believe. What other creature tells a story like we do it connects us at a very deep level uh and it, and it moves us in in many ways that we don't even realize so story is powerful and we're about to dive into yet another great story from a fantastic storyteller real quick before we do a reminder to go to the website for any resources for past episodes for more storytelling stuff it is the storytellersnetwork.com you can also find out how to contact me there if you'd like send me an email tell me what you love about the show or don't love what you want to change or what you want to keep the same or just tell me your story let's connect shall we uh, so that's at the storytellersnetwork.com now today's guest is an international touring poet slam poetry and a performance artist her work speaks to the the black experience in america with an emphasis on gender, sexuality, womanhood, and race, with the hopes to be relatable, to remove shame, to heal minds, encourage dialogue, and inspire folks in marginalized community communities. Uh, as one of the most decorated poets in Texas, Ebony Stewart is a respected coach and mentor, one of the one of the top touring poets in the country, and a woman of the world poetry slam champion. She's absolutely incredible. I discovered her through just a, a video, I think it was even on Facebook, maybe, maybe YouTube. And, and her poetry performance was so incredible. I thought, I have to hear her story. She's, she's the author of Love Letters to Bald Fists and Homegirlhood. And her work has been featured in For Harriet, Afropunk, Teen Vogue, and the Texas Observer, and many other areas as well. Uh, she's the only poet to perform at the 2018 Seattle Pride Festival. And we talk about this. That was one of her big moments in front of 200,000 people. Her name's Ebony Stewart, and we're going to get to her stories right now. Well, Ebony, thanks for taking time to talk to the Storytellers Network today. Uh, welcome to the show. So uh, we're talking about entertainment storytellers. Uh, I see poetry as more than entertainment, but that's kind of where I thought this would work well for you. Um, what, is, what does poetry mean to you? Is it, is it a story? I, I personally think it's a story. Um, I think it's more of a condensed story. Uh, also, I think there's a obviously a craft to being able to uh, sh do a short story in a, in the form of a poem. So uh, some people are better at it than others, but I always want my poems to sound like there's a story there. 
and everything that I've seen, it, it is very much a story. So you're, okay. you're, you're doing it. <laughs> um, so how, what's, what's slam poetry? I guess I want to start there. I mentioned in your intro, you, you are an international touring poet of slam poetry. Yeah. What, what does that mean? So slam poetry in, in a short is just competition style poetry. That's it. Uh, if you just think of someone who has three minutes and 10 seconds to do an original poem. Slam, and then they get points. You know what I mean. So that's that's pretty much all it is. Competition style poetry. Okay. Um, now I remember. I think I read somewhere about you that when you started doing it, one of the things I think that you wanted to do, and correct me if I'm wrong, you went into it thinking it was almost like a like a battle, like a rap battle. Yeah. Not I exactly, huh? Rapper. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was going to be a rapper, okay. and I thought that slam meant that it was a battle rap for whatever reason. And mm-hmm. so uh, I came in to my very first slam with ready to battle, like to rap against someone. And mm-hmm. I did all this research against these poets to find out like dirt on them. And then someone pulled me to the side afterwards and they were like, hey baby, that's not what we do here. So <laughs> quickly learned. I was like, oh, y'all should say that because I got forms too. But yeah. <laughs> So they, they lovingly pulled you aside. They weren't like, get off the stage. You, you're terrible. That's good. Oh, they lovingly pulled me to the side and were just like, you're good, but also this is <laughs> been you. <laughs> right on. So it seems like it's a pretty tight knit community, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Poets awesome. generally like know each other or have heard of each other um, and will probably make paths of each other at some point in time in their career. Yeah. Cool. So, so your, your slam poetry starts there, but where does that journey for you as a storyteller and as a poet, maybe in general, begin? Yeah, so I actually started out journaling first. Um, I, there was this point in time in my life where I didn't talk for almost a whole year. And there was like a lot of abuse happening within my parents and my mom getting divorced from my dad and stuff like that. And so I just went through a process of time where I, I wasn't talking. And my mom sent me to a psychiatrist and she handed me just a regular composition journal that you would get from maybe Walmart or something and told me to write as much as I wanted about whatever I wanted. And it became a habit uh, to write and just process, get my thoughts together through journaling and then journaling turned into poetry. Um, But I always have told stories just because my family love to tell stories and they're pretty animated beings. Um, so if you want to tell a good story in my family, you have to be able to make people laugh, cry, and be like, what? So you have to have that element of shock, too. Right <laughs> to my family. So, yeah. yeah. I think it's a, th- a thread with a lot of storytellers. I-, I had to be better to get more attention to my family or whatever. So that's cool. <laughs> so, so poetry, so storytelling, but poetry in particular, it, mm-hmm. it sounds like it began kind of as a, a therapeutic thing for you. For sure. Um, do you see that as still being the case today? Like, how do you go from being therapy into being an artist? Or is it still that way for you? Um, it depends on the poem. Mm-hmm. Some poems are a part of the therapy for it. And I think the art form of being able to tell the story in a therapeutic way is how I make it relatable for someone to hear or read or see. Um, and so that's all I'm focusing on and thinking about for the most part. Okay. Um, and when you, when you, when you go to a performance, does it have to be memorized? Do you read from something? How does that work for you guys? It, uh, it doesn't have to be memorized. I tend to like to memorize my work. Uh, it helps me to be a little bit more free and animated and 
uh, keep my heart in, engaged in the crowd and make eye contact. It does help with that for me. But there are times where my brain does this thing where it might just not, it's not ready to memorize it because it's not ready to tap into those types of emotions yet. So, yeah. You don't have to, though. You don't have to have it memorized, no. Gotcha. Um, it's, it's incredible. I, I've, I've watched a bunch of your your poetry on YouTube um, on also your, your Facebook page that I'll link to in the show notes. And it's, it's so moving and it's so, it's so different. So I'm, I'm from the Midwest. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in a, in a very homogenized area, Not, you know, nothing wrong with it, but I'm, I don't have a lot of exposure to other communities. Right. Um, and in particular, you know, you, you, in, in your, your intro, I mentioned you talk a lot about race. So obviously middle-aged middle-class, white guy right and, and your poetry speaks to me it crosses those lines is that pretty intentional for you or do you think that poetry is just that universal mm. I, I don't think it has to be one or the other I think it could be both mm. um, I, I always want to leave the option that it could definitely be both um, but that makes me feel really good because I wouldn't know that unless you told me um, and so I'm hoping that that is something that other people are feeling or thinking based on where they are mm -hmm. and what they deal with every day or their cultural background. And I just find, I find it fascinating to hear other people's stories, whatever they are. And so especially, and you know, it, it, we're recording this and it's released in 2019. There's a lot going on in our, in our country and there's a lot of, of fighting. Right. Yeah. Right. And, but there's also so much good. And I just find it so interesting that stories can connect us in that way. For sure. For sure. Uh, you know, I, I had a guest on uh, one of my earlier seasons who uh, her name is Vili Wong and, and she does this thing called Bakia out in uh, San Francisco. And it's, it's an organization that teaches uh, marginalized youth, at-risk youth, whatever you want to call it, uh, kids in bad areas, how to tell stories, especially with video. And it's cool because her thing is, her, her like motto is, uh, I want to end racism one story at a time. And it made me think about story in a whole different way. And then seeing your poetry later, like I did, I thought, man, this really is. So I guess, I don't know if it's kind of the same question or not, but like when you sit down to begin to write, mm -hmm. do you think about those things of changing people's minds, connecting with them, changing the world? Um, or is it just really very personal for you? Or is it both? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I don't necessarily think about trying to change the world. Um, because I think that that would cause my ego to be involved. Mm. Uh, and I think ego is involved enough <laughs> when we think about all the stuff that's happening in the world. But uh, I just mostly try to make it personable, but I'm hoping that it, it's at least relatable, right? So you might not agree, but maybe I wrote something or said something that was enough for you to be like this is relatable because and I disagree or now I have a new way of thinking I'm hoping that but I can't predict if it's you know me trying to save the world so much as it is about me wanting to find commonalities in the world um mm. and how relatable things can actually be yeah I like the idea Benny, of of commonalities and relatable yeah because we do focus so much on what makes us different and yet, you know, I, I imagine our household being pretty different, but your poem about, that, you, that you put out there on Mother's Day every year. Yeah. 
<laughs> and like, and like how a mother talks to you. I thought, gosh, that sounds, <laughs> sometimes that sounds like my mom. <laughs> Other times maybe different, but like, it is so relatable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gosh. I mean, we're like, I just imagine you being able to sit, maybe it sounds super like stereotypical of a poet, but you're sitting in a cafe with incense burning around you and like just writing poetry. <laughs> how does the creative world, how does that world of creation work for you as an artist? Yeah. Um, here's a story. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of people are able to write everywhere and anywhere, even in a cafe. I'm not that poet. I'm not yeah. that writer. Uh, I, I particularly like to write in rooms or spaces that don't have a lot of windows. Isn't that, isn't that trippy? Hmm. Um, and I, it's only because I'm easily distracted. And if I have a window to look out of, then now I have to like look at what's happening outside of me. Um, and it draws my mind to think about something else. Whereas if I'm sitting in a room uh, with no windows and it's a little bit cozy and tight, I have to just deal with my own thoughts. I can't distract myself from anything but what I'm working on at the moment. Um, but I do love to people watch. That's a whole separate, <laughs> whole separate thing. So when it comes to like inspiration, I'm, I'm totally down to like leave out of a space and go into a coffee shop or I'm always on planes. So being at an airport uh, is the, some of the best people watching I've ever experienced in my entire life. Because uh, people are so different and yet wildly the same in so many different airports. So, yeah, I, I love that people watch, but I, I try not to connect the two necessarily. When I sit down to write, I go through the notes that I have in my phone from different occasions or memories or quotes or something that will spark the writing process for me. But, yeah. And, and do you have other artists, other poets or you know, songwriters or whatever that inspire you too, that you want to kind of reach for or use as a, as a, as an inspiration in some way. There are lots of people that, um, that get me, uh, get me going and help me to be generative in my thoughts. So, uh, usually I can't go see certain movies without having like a little notepad. Hmm. My current movie that I saw is rocket man. And I'm just like, there's all these different thoughts happening in my head of like what I want to write about or what story I want to tell and about my childhood or whatever, right? Um, Narizaki Shinge is a writer for, for Color Girls. Always, hands down, it helps me to write something or create something authentic to myself. Um, musically, my father is a drummer and music takes me to a whole nother place of enjoyment, but I always pick out like certain lines that uh, inspire me for greatness or answer a question that I might have for myself, but it's not necessarily to write, mm. if that makes any sense. Mm. So, but yeah. So I, I, wanna, I wanna explore something. I don't know if this is, we may have to edit this out, we may, this may work out well. <laughs> um, I, I know how vital words are to what you do the words that we use to describe each other, especially in society today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I hear the term persons of color and yeah. when you just talked about for colored girls, mm-hmm. how, how do we, what's the respectful way to describe you? And, and I know that you can't speak for an entire ethnicity. Like I don't want to put that on you by any means. Um, how, how has language evolved over the, the years 
as I mentioned, like five different questions in one, aren't I? <laughs> a little bit. I, I just, I just, I, I want to know what it's like from your perspective, your America, your perception. How has language evolved for you over the years? Are we able to talk about this stuff better, or is it still really hard? That's what I want to ask. Yeah, that's a great question. I think that um, we as human beings are complex and we oftentimes make things harder than what they have to be. Um, and oftentimes we focus on things that aren't important. Uh, rather than just being good people, we, we make it a, a racism or a colorism or a whateverism uh, that then we justify it for ourselves. Mm. Me, I, I define myself as a black woman in America. Uh, my grandmother is um, part Jamaican and she didn't know that she was black, right? Mm. <laughs> so she got to, she always identified with, with her ethnicity, not her color. Mm. Um, I do know that there are, and I have a poem about this, but I do know that there are uh, a lot of people who would normally identify as black or African-American, but Black is always wrong. The darkest shade or the darkest skin color is always something that can be used against someone. So now the idea of being a brown girl, um, but I've always been brown and there's all different shades of brown. So um, I don't really get so caught up in those things. I don't think that it's good for my mental health or how I, how I can continue to look at myself through someone else. Uh, I guess through their judgments or their hangups, even. Uh, mostly just focus on whether I'm being a good person, being a good human being or not. Mm-hmm. But that kind of guide me. And I give people passes, right? Like some people might be just hungry or <laughs> I don't know, maybe <laughs> having a bad day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I try not to focus so much on, on actual skin color and how people identify that's whatever they want to identify with I'll respect it but it's not going to hurt me if someone says african-american black um just as long as nothing is used in a in the way of a slur or um to to degrade me then we do (laughs) yeah Yeah. so so you would identify more as a poet than anything else (laughs) a a human (laughs) I mean I'm a human woman I write about human things and um it just so happens that I have been afforded a life where I can write deeply about uh, gender and race and colorism and sex and and those things move me because of the things that I know a lot about. Yeah. And that's that's cool. And and using using story and 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 poetry for you, but using story in general, is that helping us to connect on a better level? Hope so. Hope so. Um, people love stories, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and how well a person can tell a story to keep someone engaged, or how well someone can perform a poem that that moves someone to tears, right? And all I've done was just told a story, but that's not what's happening, right? To me, I think there's a a brain to brain communication that we're having. Mm. There's there's energies that are being passed. There's um, acceptance that's being made um, and maybe in stories hopefully right if someone can't tell that story or hasn't had an opportunity to figure out the words to tell that story they hear something of mine or yours or anyone and 
that helps them to feel seen, even though they weren't the one that actually wrote it or got up and proclaimed it. To feel seen, how, how important is that for humans? Oh my gosh, right? I, I think, I'm assuming that it's, it's one of the best gifts that you can give someone is to just see them for who they are, who they want to be. Um, which goes back to that idea of acceptance, of being, you know, seen and heard and appreciated or made space for, um, understood, right? Because the idea is that I think we all just want to be understood in some kind of way. Um, and then there's other stuff that might get in there to kind of mess that up. But um, yeah, I think being seen, being heard, being understood are high up there on the list of human commonalities and relatability. Mm -hmm. And it's such a simple thing in theory yeah. to see someone and to hear them, you know, but we, like you said, in Ebony, we, we let things get in the way. So I, I love too, that you, that you said you, you give some people a pass that they just might be hungry, but like you extend that grace. They, right? could, yeah. they could be just hungry. They could just be dumb. You know, one of, one of God's stupid kids. So, <laughs> Um, it's a bad day or whatever I don't know I, I really uh, and I think it's something that I have to practice also um, in giving people passes or as you I love the way you worded it uh, with grace um, because like that's how forgiveness works that's how like thinking of all the all the ways that we have been forgiven for whatever our like wildest moments have been um so yeah i i do try to give people pass. now that doesn't mean that i'm great at it all the time oh, no. just that I, I do strive to do that if mm -hmm. i can absolutely that's a good thing to strive for anyway so you've described a little bit about why you love telling stories but can you can you tell me what it is that that moves you about telling stories so with poetry the idea of being able to tell a story in a certain amount of time um, is, like I said, it's a skill to be perfected. And, and what you're trying to perfect is your effectiveness. Like, how effective are you in telling this story and conveying what it is that you want to say? But when it comes to, like, say, playwriting, um, being able to tell a full story without any constraints, um, and watching people connect to you or um, be moved or be curious is, is always like a really good feeling for me. Um, it lets me know that people are with me. Mm -hmm. um, and I just love the idea of being able to move a person, whether it's with laughter or some kind of deep, like I said, deep feeling or deep emotion that they're having from something or uh, now they're not thinking about what happened in their day, or maybe they are thinking about what happened in their day and they're thinking about it a little bit differently. So all these different layers that happen with telling stories really is exciting for me. And do you prefer the the writing of the story or the performing? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I don't always enjoy the writing of the story because sometimes depending on what the story is about, I haven't decided if I'm ready to tell it or not. 
so I always have to check myself to make sure I'm I'm telling all of the story and also if I'm being completely honest in the story if I decide to share it um, so I don't always enjoy it because you know obviously we're working off of a memory when you're telling the story and those memories might bring up other things that you're not necessarily ready to share um, but I always have said that I think I'm a better performer than I am writer and nobody believes me but I really do think that <laughs> and uh, maybe it's because I've been able to practice it and get it exactly how I want it for when I perform it but when, I, when I'm writing it I know people do this but I don't go back necessarily and like change a bunch of stuff about what I wrote um, and I guess I just haven't given myself permission to do that so I'll I've been able to practice what it is that I want the form to look like, sound like, feel like, uh, the inflection in my voice and stuff like that. But the writing, I, I don't, not so much. So. so do you think of your poetry as the performance? Like, like as you're writing, are you thinking of all those things when you perform it? Mm. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I'm thinking about the experience. Mm -hmm. uh, but that, that won't get solidified until I perform it. Because hmm. I can only answer so many questions as a sole person in my room or wherever I am to write. But I don't get those answers or get those clues or those thoughts or those feelings, I guess, um, affirmed until I perform it. And then something else might happen. Oh, word, I wasn't even, I was super close-minded to thinking it would only do this. And then it did this. Hmm. Um, and I, I really, I really appreciate those moments because I feel like storytelling gives people an opportunity to be honest, and and whoever is receiving the story to honestly react to it as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. And is that that interpretation and reaction mm -hmm. part of what what makes it for you then? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, I I've had a few times where no one said anything during a poem, like not a single, and I'm from the South, so we affirm each other out here. We yes and okay, go off, right? Like we are very uh, accommodating and let you know how we feel. Um, but I've had a, a time where if I perform certain poems and not a drop, not a nothing, no air, nothing. Um, and then I get to the end of, of the poem or the set and people are like on their feet. I didn't know that was going to happen. I thought that they were like, we hate every single thing that you just said and did. So <laughs> you never know. You yeah. never know what people are thinking and if that's a cultural thing or uh, based off of a region, regionally, that's how we respond to something. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, so you were in Kalamazoo not too long ago, which is near where I'm from. And, and I got to imagine, you know, Midwest Kalamazoo area probably was one of those times where you're like, Come on, y'all. Give me something. Um, you know, because, yeah, I just, I just picture that for some reason. I don't know. We're very, we're very, reserved. Yeah. Yeah, very reserved. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's, uh, so that's what you love about storytelling. What's one of your challenges then with story? What's one of your biggest things that you face? <clears throat> what stories am I allowed to tell? Hmm? Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'll sit and I'll ask a question or I'll just be listening um, to my family tell these certain stories. And they'll look at me as they're talking and they'll say, don't turn this into a poem. <laughs> uh -huh. 
uh, and because uh, they know that I'm just like a recorder. I'm just like recording every single thing they're saying. Um, and that's really hard for me because then that means that I don't have the permission. Even if I want to write about it, I don't have permission. And sometimes they didn't remember to tell me that I can't write about it and I'll write about it and then they'll see it and they'll be like, why did you write about this? Um, so I think it's just always like, People get to perceive things how they want to perceive them and no one wants to be uh, perceived in a poor light and no one wants to have a record of the poor things or the poor choices that they've made. Um, my dad being one of them. Uh, my Happy Father's Day poem is a poem that basically haunts me because my dad hates it. And so, of course, have, like Father's Day is coming up and those of us whose fathers weren't in our lives, they relate to that poem very much and so they'll post it. Um, and I don't know how many times my dad will see that, right, in the thread of any anywhere on social media. And um, but I do know that it makes him upset, right? So that's a challenge for me, knowing what I can and can't write about based on how someone might feel about the truth or my perception of the truth. So it sounds like you and your dad have made amends then? Like you know, a relationship kind of? Yeah. All right. So there's hope. So there's hope there, maybe. Oh, we we have we have a we text each other here and there, and um, I I think the relationship is where it's gonna be, uh, and and I'm okay with it. I just also know that uh, writing about those stories, regardless of how I feel about him or regardless how true they are, it's hurtful to him to be known in that way. So I have to consider that. Back to the grace, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I can remember back in high school, of course, it's just, you know, high school problems, nothing serious for me, but, but using <laughs> journaling and poetry to, to cope, right, with, with those problems as a young boy. Um, so I can totally relate to that being a therapy thing. Um, when, when you were using that in that way, could you see a future where it wasn't just going to be therapy, where it was going to be this kind of a, of a life for you? Oh, I didn't know that I could make money off of poetry until someone asked me, could I come and do a poetry set? And I was like, I don't even know what that means. So I called my friend, usually the friend that I call who I feel like knows everything. His name is John Good. He's out of Atlanta. And he's like one of the best storytellers I've ever met in my entire life. And I just asked him like lots of questions. And so I asked him like, what is a set? He was like, oh, it's just like you put together like forms that you want to do. And I'm like, okay, cool, great. But also like they asked me, what am I charging? And I, he's like, oh, they want to pay you? That's great. <laughs> and I'm like, they want to pay me to do what? <laughs> so um, we, we started talking about like pricing, money, and he gave me a bunch of really good language um, to help with, with that, that part of it. But to be honest with you, like, I love that I get paid to, to do poetry and to be a storyteller. I hate discussing the money part of it. I hate it. I just mm. want to tell my stories, but I do want to get paid, obviously, right? So it's right, like right. this horrible cycle that I've put myself through. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's called show business for a reason, I guess, right? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. So, so is that, is that what it means then to be a touring poet is that you, you get hired to go perform a show? Oh, yeah. yeah. 
get hired to go and, and do a show and they get to tell you how long you have and you create a set. My, myself personally, I create a set that I want to do for that audience that night. Okay. And what are those, what are those shows? Like who's hiring you? Where, oh, yeah. So I'm on the college circuit. That's my, that's my main, uh, okay. I guess money. Um, but yeah, so like I'm on the college and university circuit. So I go to different college and universities throughout the country, anywhere to do an hour long set. Um, it's the usual, um, 15 minutes has been the shortest, which is wild to me. Uh, they also might ask me to come to host, uh, just introduce other people who are coming to do forums or tell stories, which is really nice. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's my main funding. Hmm. Uh, but also it could look like me going to Australia to do a set of poems because hmm. that's what, you know, that's what they're into and, or that's what they want to promote and help get other people into as far as the arts. So, so it really is, I mean, it's, it's really is a entertainment sounds so fluff, but, it, but it is kind of entertainment and inspiration. It's something that people go to like a concert. Yeah. Isn't Whatever. that wild? That's well, awesome. People, like, I know it's so awesome and people will like know my poems and request them. (laughs) So trippy to me. I'm like, you know that poem? And it's ridiculous that I think that because hello, like social media is what it is, but that still is like, what? (laughs) Um, That this person, like a regular concert, the only person that I, I guess if I saw Prince, walking on the street, I would be like, oh my God, that's Prince, right? Mm-hmm. And would know every single song. And when people come up to me sometimes and they get emotional, I'm just like, who do you think I am? Like, <laughs> do, you know, do you know who I am? Like more like I'm concerned that they have me confused with someone, not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have any emotion? Are you, do you know who I am? And, and then they'll name a poem that touched them or that spoke to them and uh, helped get them through something. And I'm like, yo, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think I could be a, a rock star or anything. I'm way too humble and too, like, in awe. Like, I want to start crying because they're crying. And then, <laughs> oh, my God, you love my work. It's so cool. Like, thank yeah. you. You know, so... I like that. Gratitude. That's awesome. Uh, I think, oh my gosh, people are so, people are so good to me. That's what I want to make sure I say, Dan. People are so good to me. And as much as like awful things that are happening in the world, people never cease to amaze me with like how awesome we are. Like, ugh. There's, there's the the potential for awesomeness, isn't there? Like that's, and that's great. Yeah, it is. Uh, People are really, great sometimes so you you mentioned social media um that's where i discovered you so i'm guessing it's been a positive impact but how do you think social media affects storytelling and we'll get into how it affected you but like how does social media affect storytelling today Hmm. i wonder about that question um i I don't know. I'm, I'm so curious about social media sometimes because I feel like it is often a platform that is overused. Um, 
and has this sense of, you might know the word that I'm going for, so tell me, but a lot of people think that they have to post their whole entire lives all this, all the time. Um, yeah. To where you have to like be on what episode of their life are we watching right now? Right. <laughs> um, what, what season are we in? <laughs> and, uh, I tend to be a very private person, which also kind of with social media being a thing of like, say for instance, YouTube and you get these clips that are of my poems for like three minutes and however many seconds or five minutes, people tend to think that they know every single thing about me through that clip. And I'm like, yo, you could have it wrong. You're not leaving a, not leaving enough uh, space for you to get it wrong or for you to inquire more. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess I don't really know what I would say that that problem is. I don't know how to give that a name or if, if it has, as a name yet, um, but that whole instant gratification or well, it can oftentimes be very self-focused, right? Yeah. Okay. We want yeah. to talk about ourselves all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that, no, that's perfect. Mm. Yeah. But it can also, I mean, it can access. You know, um, uh, so you have so much exposure on social media because of that. So it's mm -hmm. been a good thing, but it's also been kind of a bad thing for you if you feel like you don't know somebody. But, but what I hear you say is that social media, we, we can't let it kill our curiosity, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So if I, if I watch a clip of you, don't feel like I, I know everything about you. I've gotten to know you a little bit, but right. now it's time to be curious and actually interact as a human, right? Yes. Yes. Can we interact as humans? Can <laughs> we, <laughs> when we see each other, can we actually have a conversation? Cause I'm so, that's also a part of the story, right? Being able to sit down and have dialogue. And so um, I always tell people when they see me on stage or off stage, I'm the same person. Um, I'm not, I'm not some different, I'm not going to treat you poorly or be weird or anything, whatever. Um, I'm going to sit and actually want to engage with you. Uh, I don't want to just hear about you're such a great poet. No, like what, what poem moved you? What spoke to you? Where are you in your life if you are comfortable sharing with how that has, you know, overturned your thoughts or um, where are you now in that thought process? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't want people to just get stuck on that one thing yeah. uh, for that one form. Um, and, and how do you think, like, if, if there was no social media right now, mm. it where where would you be do you think as a performer has it helped you to broaden your audience oh social media has definitely helped me to broaden my audience there's yeah. people that talk to me from africa you know uh, uh, wow to me um so yeah like it's definitely helped me way more than what i could ever have done for myself um even even the people who you know don't like that poem because of what i'm saying um or how I'm challenging them in their thoughts. Uh, that's still exposure, right? Um, so yeah, social media has done a lot for me. Where would I be without it? It's hard to say because I really don't, I don't even know what it's like not to at this mm -hmm. point. Um, I just remember when I came on the scene of, of poetry, like YouTube and all that stuff wasn't as big as it is now. 
uh, Instagram wasn't even a thing. It wasn't even, maybe it was being thought of, but it, it wasn't yet. And uh, I guess MySpace was the most used platform for that type of thing. And I wasn't on MySpace because I thought it was for musicians. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think I'm super grateful to have it now. Um, I just want people to be more cautious about how it's used mm. or how we appreciate things. But yeah, I, I'm super pos- uh, grateful for it, but I don't know where I would be without it or what it would be like mm. without it. Uh, you mentioned Instagram. So I, I followed you on Instagram a while back. Uh, you, most of your handles are uh, uh, EB poetry, right? Okay. Uh, but this one's Gully Princess. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Yeah. So Gully Princess was a uh, nickname given to me um, in the poetry community at uh, back at Neo Soul here in Austin, Texas. I'm in Austin right now. And so, um, yeah, when I first came on the scene, they they gave me the nickname of Gully Princess. Now, why everything is so different is because I have no idea about marketing and branding and I didn't know that everything needed to have the same tag. (laughs) So, uh, and also when I went to Instagram, EV poetry was already taken and I didn't have any underscores or anything. So I just like, well, next up. And it's easy enough that everybody knows it. They don't make a difference out of the two. So You know that E.B. Poetry is Ebony Stewart. Ebony Stewart is Billy Princess or yeah. the story of the Black Girl Winning or whatever, whatever. So, yeah, it kind of yeah. works. All right, right on. So it was a nickname given to you. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, you've, so you've, you've, we've talked a little bit about where you are right now and how crazy it is that people recognize your poetry. You seem to me to be someone who's kind of made it in this world of poetry. You're doing great stuff. Not that, like, you're, you're going to retire, but – do you look around at times and think, holy cow, how did I get here? Like, have you had milestones where like you've realized that you're kind of at that moment of like sort of pseudo fame? Yeah, um, I have. I, I did, uh, I performed at Seattle Pride last year, which is one of the biggest prides in the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, I walked out and I'm, I'm doing my poem and then I turn around to leave off the stage and there's a Megatron, a big screen. And I turned and came back to the mic and said, y'all, there is a Megatron screen behind me. <laughs> and everybody's like cheering. And I, I couldn't believe it. Who am I right now that there's a Megatron of Ebony Stewart on me? That's crazy. But um, yeah, there's definitely moments where I'm, I'm still figuring out. But it's usually how other people respond to something. Um, so my partners like Googled me and was like, yo, like your name comes up in Google. Your name is, that's it. And I was like, really? And so I look and I'm like, oh my God. So we're having this moment where, you know, I feel so green and so naive <laughs> to things, but I don't want to lose that. I, I want to be surprised because I love surprises, especially when they're good ones. And I love the feeling of being like, yo, people really people really like me they like my stuff it's really cool you know I like, I like having that moment um of someone randomly tweeting me that I didn't know or didn't I don't follow um and then talking about homegirlhood or this porn and they live in England right like that's uh 
that does it for me. I don't know what other people are striving for, but I'm like, yo, if this is it, if this is all I had, I would, I don't know. That's, I think that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I don't so know. I, so I can find myself on Google. So I've, I've made it essentially, I guess. So I'm good. There. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. I, I do that every once in a while for my, my, my oldest daughter, I have two girls and uh, my oldest one and I talk marketing quite a bit and stuff and she's only 14, but she kind of, she kind of knows what I do. They both know what I do, but That's my true. oldest, I said to her one day, I said something about, uh, you know, I checked out this, these Google results and she was just like, stop. I know you're everywhere. Just stop. <laughs> so it's fun. Oh, yeah. So I know, I know I've made it when I've annoyed my daughters, but anyway. Um, <laughs> That's pretty good. So if like other entertainment artists, songwriters, singers, this kind of thing, if they're, or comedians, maybe if they're, big moment might be like a uh, a Jimmy Fallon or a Saturday Night Live. Do you think there's hope for that for a slam poet? Yeah, slam poet has already done it. Two of them have been on Jimmy Fallon. I would love to go on Jimmy Fallon. Um, see if we can make that happen. <laughs> yeah, Pretty Francisco has been on Jimmy Allen. Um, Tank and the Bangers, their lead singer Tank. Um, I know her, she, she started out in poetry, you know what I mean? She has, she just so happens to have this amazing voice. Um, and it go it pairs very well with her group and she's been super successful and i'm super happy for her and rudy that that has happened you know um i guess that would be the upper echelon of of making it in my eyes right like you get to go on jimmy fallon who doesn't watch jimmy fallon right but not only that jimmy fallon is creating this platform of appreciation of art right but not just any art not not the typical art poetry that's that's something uh, special. Yeah, that's something really special. I always say that if I can also get on, I don't know, be a featured poet on some famous person's album, like Janelle Monet or somebody like that, what? That would be yeah. incredible. Uh, but yeah, I don't really, I don't really know. I, I, I just, to be honest with you, Dan, like I'm able to pay my bills with poetry money. And this is something that started out as a hobby for me um, or just like a therapeutic way of expressing myself. So that, I guess, in a sense, should help me to feel like I've made it and I'm successful. Because um, if we go like in the politics world of this thing, that's not supposed to be possible. Um, so super fortunate to be able to provide for myself. Yeah. Again, humility and gratitude, right? I mean, that's what I get from you. Oh, and I cool. think that's so important. So yeah, It is. I, 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 and, and I wouldn't be able to do it unless people liked my work or uh, my agents felt like um, people wanted to hear me and wanted to put me in a setting for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I saw Janelle perform, actually, at, a, at an event. She was incredible. I had, I had no idea. Like she blew me away. So I've seen her perform live. Yeah. Very good. Um, I mean, this has been an absolute pleasure. I, I could, I could go on forever, but I won't do that to you. Um, <laughs> but I, before I get to my, my final question, uh, I want to make sure everybody has a chance to connect with you. I'll put links in the show notes, but where do you typically send people? It's the best way to find you. Yeah. The best way to find me is through Instagram, as we mentioned, which is Gully Princess, G-U-L-L-Y Princess. 
N O Z N O underscores. Mm -hmm. uh, and then E B Poetry through Twitter. Uh, I do rants and retweets. That's my thing. E B Poetry as in as poetry. Very cool. Uh, so, but if somebody were to tell you tomorrow you can no longer be a storyteller, what do you think your last story would have to be? My last story would probably be the story where, and, and it's, it's gonna sound, it's gonna sound like morbid or sad, but uh, there was a once upon a time when um, my mom was trying to escape my dad. And the, the, the short story is, is that he, there, he's in his truck and she's in her car and he clips her on the side to try to like run her off the road. And, she, and, and we're in the car with my dad and he clips her and my mom spins around her car spins around off of the grass and then literally she drives off into the distance she spun around like a ballerina it was like who is my mom my mom is incredible i would love to tell that story because it's got so much triumph and power and um inspiration in it about who women are and what and who women get to be and and that woman is my mom, and then therefore who I get to be, what I get to accomplish and do. So I think I would probably tell that story till I die. Yeah. Beautiful story. And I, and I hear the, another, another use of the word grace. She had the grace of a ballerina in that so, moment. So, it was, Yeah, it was like one of the best. I mean, it was the scariest moment of my life, but then also like, mm -hmm. oh, my mom like, is a superhero. She like spun around. Yeah. I'm yeah. unharmed <laughs> well again yeah but i can't thank you enough i uh, appreciate you being here and telling your story and uh listeners please definitely go check out her her stuff yeah thanks dan for the opportunity i appreciate it so once again, thank you so much, Ebony Stewart. I'm telling you right now, watch her videos, listen to her poetry, read her works, get all the links in the show notes, connect with her on social media. She's an incredible performer, a wonderful artist, and as you just heard, a great human being. So connect with Ebony in the links in the show notes. Now, if you enjoyed this episode and got something out of it, please consider sharing it on social media or share it with somebody in email or whatever, however you want to share it. Tell somebody about the Storytellers Network. I really appreciate that. It helps us to reach more folks. Uh, and if you really liked it, please consider leaving a written review in Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you want to leave a review. Much appreciated there as well. Uh, if you want to connect, connect with me, it is all at thestorytellersnetwork.com. Shoot me an email there off of the contact page. Uh, find me on social media there at storytellersnetwork.com. Until next time, here's to telling our stories and actually having stories to tell. Cheers. Thank you.